in this edition of Hoopsology, Matt and Justin welcome Bo Estes, the voice of NBA TV's NBA.com's Top 10, to discuss the process behind the appeal of NBA Top 10, along with creating a great highlight, the evolution of NBA media, the all-star game struggles, social media, and a lot more. This was a great chat, as Bo has been an industry veteran, covering not only basketball media, but sports media. He was a phenomenal guest. I'm a big shout-out to Bo for joining the show. Hoopsology is presented by Ball's Life, and now, Bo Estes. Our next guest has an extensive career, starting out with TNT's Inside the NBA before working two Olympics, both Atlanta and Nagano, and then transitioning to the Goodwill Games in New York. You can hear him on NBA TV and on NBA.com's Top 10 Highlights. Welcome Bo Estes on to Hoopsology. Welcome, Bo. Uh, no, thank you guys for having me. I really appreciate it. Every time I hear one of those intros, one thing really hits me is how old I really am becoming now. I mean, how long I've been doing this. Uh, the Atlanta Olympics were 1996, so that's almost 30 years ago. And I've been at Turner since before that. I was working there in college. So, like, it's just, man, it's, it's a long time. But when you look at the landscape of the media, I feel extraordinarily fortunate to still be in this business and working professionally. So, uh, whenever I'm with you guys, that means I'm still working, and that means it's a good thing. Our tradition on here for first-time guests is to to ask you, what is your first basketball memory or your favorite basketball memory, whatever way you want to take the question. Okay, so my very first basketball memory, no joke at all. I uh, grew up when I was really young in Southern California here in a town called Mission Viejo. And we had this rookie when I was a little kid named Magic Johnson. And I remember uh, that Kareem Abdul-Jabbar wasn't going to play in game six and Magic was going to start at center and Magic won us the championship for the Lakers. I was a Lakers fan back then. I've worked in the NBA so long. I, I honestly don't care who wins, but Magic won us the championship then. And there was this old cable outlet called On TV and they did this montage with this song, Do You Believe in Magic? And it just hit me so hard how much I loved basketball. And I had told my parents when I was a little kid, all I want to do in life is be a sportscaster. So it just sort of really brought everything together for me. I want to be a sportscaster and I want it to be an NBA and lo and behold, here I am. So it's, it's incredible. So Bo, you mentioned your, your extensive um, background of experience and I want to, can I pick your brain in terms of basketball media specifically? Cause I think it's led the way in terms of the athletes after they have retired, um, owning their brand and getting into the media space. And I know this is kind of a long-winded question, but since you've been covering the NBA specifically to now in 2024, what kind of trends have you observed in terms of just the basketball media space overall? Do you think it's grown in a positive manner? Do you see anything troublesome or just your overall observations, just you beginning discovering the NBA to kind of now, because I think it's changed quite a lot over the years. Yeah, sure. Make sure I come back to the troubling part because I do see some troubling aspects, but I'll, I'll give you just a little detail. Um, sure. When I came into Turner sports, uh, the guy that was second in charge was a guy named Michael Jackson. Uh, Michael Jackson played point guard for the Georgetown uh, Hoyas, won a national championship, uh, ended up playing for the Sacramento Kings, and he ended up running Nike basketball. Uh, but Michael Jackson, before that, worked with us at Turner Sports. And I remember Michael was the guy that helped put together the lineup that you know is inside the NBA. 
Kenny Smith was also in that backcourt at Sacramento. So he brought Kenny Smith in. Kenny Smith became a part of that. He helped to bring Charles Barkley in. Charles Barkley became a part of that. So to me, that was a basketball player who was taking charge in the media and what it looked like back then. That's Michael Jackson. He was the ideal of, of sort of that sort of brains behind the operation and brought Kenny in and brought Charles in and they became the biggest sports TV show ever. Uh, it looks a little different now. Um, you know, guys like LeBron, really smart guy. He has his own shows and, you know, they appear on HBO and stuff like that. So I think he's been, I mean, LeBron's just really smart on that sort of uh, front. So I think he's done really well. And now you get into guys, even like a JJ Redick, who's, who's got his old man in the three podcast. And that's been really successful for him. So I think that's good. And even, you know, maybe not as big a profile, but somebody who's to me, just as good in media, a guy like Theo Pinson has his own podcast and, and he has folks on, he actually makes news on there. And, and Theo is a really great broadcasting personality. So I think there's a lot of stuff like that. The one thing that concerns me in the media is I wonder how much content is too much content. How much content can we all take in? And I worry about that. Uh, those of us that are fortunate enough to work in a big company like myself, um, we're shedding jobs. We're shedding jobs left, left and right and trying to do it in a more streamlined fashion. And that's fine. I mean, because if you can't make a profit the other way, at least you're still doing something. So that's a bit troubling to me. The other thing that's troubling, if it's an athlete that is active, like a Kevin Durant controlling the story, um, you don't have the other side of it, the inquisition side, the side that you're asking a real people always ask and say hard questions. I think it's just the question that the fan wants to know. If you're asking Draymond Green, you know, if Draymond Green tells his side of it on the podcast, you know, of his troubles earlier in the season, that's of value. And that's one thing. But if you're the reporter and you're saying in that moment, Draymond, what were you thinking? What's going through your head? Is there any sort of part of you that's saying, "Uh Oh, you know, some of the, the questions that the fans want to know, I worry that if the if the media becomes too much player controlled, then the fans won't get the answers they want out of the players. That's a concern I would have. Yeah, that's that's a great point. And you know, there's there's been plenty of reports and even interviews we've done on our show about kind of the the controlling of the message and image around like Michael Jordan in the '90s, who Justin sure. and I grew up adoring. Um, sure. And it seems like there's maybe like a pendulum that is that is swung to this player, you know, player empowerment, player control of the message type of narrative. But I mean, is it simply? kind of doctoring the message in another way? And is there a potential for that to, um, you know, eventually swing back in the other direction? Yeah, I don't know that we'll ever see somebody quite like MJ again. And the, the fact that he had total control over everybody. He was just, you know, and that's some of that is due to the way the media is. And, you know, you hear about the monoculture or whatever. Uh, he was just bigger than anybody we have now. He was a bigger star, bigger celebrity. Uh, but think about this. MJ could control it to this point. You know how many times he's ever appeared on Inside the NBA? Zero. <laughs> yeah. Zero. Think about that. It's the biggest basketball show ever, and he doesn't need to appear on it. He doesn't need to appear on it at all. That's how big that guy was. I don't know that we run into that problem as much as just folks saying, you know, I'm not going to talk to you. I'm not going to talk to you. I'm not going to talk to you. And I'm only going to talk to these folks that are friendly outlets 
or are people that we own, you know, if it's if it's a you know, publication or a service that we own and we know the reporter is going to be friendly with us, I worry that they would just talk to them. So that's it's just a concern. I'm not saying we've reached that point, but I, I would be concerned about us reaching that point. So it's a little bit different. Um, you know, I, I do some media instruction and stuff like that, and I, I watch uh, the proliferation of, of those outlets, and I, I'm just curious how they're going to handle it. There, there could be some really great stuff, honestly. There could be some stuff that we in the media never thought of, like they could take us behind the scenes and show us, here's what it's like in the morning mentally as we prepare for a game. Look, I just thought of that. I'm a member of the media. They would probably think of something better that we've never thought of. So there, there's good things that can certainly come out of it, but there are things that are to me, concerning as well, I guess. Bo, I want to get into, I think, what I discovered uh, of your of your work, and that is the, the, the top 10 highlights that you do and your distinct sure. style and just your thought process of how you voice just the highlights. So can you just take us through just the beginning process to the end, just from your script writing to just how you came up with your style. Because I think it's very distinct and really just a lost art nowadays because I think when Matt and I were growing up, we were growing up with sports in our top 10 all the time. Sure. Highlights were a huge part of our lives. And now was I, we sound kind of older now, but I, I miss those days. I, that's why I love hearing your highlights. I think that that's important and not just, you know, seeing a YouTube clip and this. I mean, having a soundtrack part at this part of the highlight is very important. So if you can just take us through this creative process you go through, I, I think that'd be very appreciated. Well, first of all, thanks for saying that. And that's what I grew up with too. You know, guys like the sports center guys, you know, like Craig Kilborn and, and those folks, I remember very specifically. And, and you know, my, I, I can still remember my favorite Craig Kilborn call. I mean, that's how much it meant to me back then. Um, so, you know, I, I think that the, one of the reasons that I still have a job is that the NBA demands that I'm there or that somebody is there narrating these highlights. They're not wanting this to just be Nat sounds without any explanation, without any statistics. The NBA demands that the product be this good for the fans. So I really appreciate the NBA for doing that. Uh, I wouldn't have a job if it weren't for that. But as far as the top 10 goes, um, this is going to sound crazy, guys. I don't have a script. I don't write anything down. There's not a thing that is written down when I do this. Um, I had a reporter in here recently in my, you know, temporary, we live in a temporary apartment here in LA, but, uh, you know, we had her in here and I showed her, it, it's this, the producer with the NBA puts together the list of plays, the top 10 plays, and they will write down, you know, LeBron James dunk, Steph Curry three, Giannis dunk and it'll it'll have number eight number seven number six beside it and I will just look through it and whatever sort of pops in my mind is what I'm going to say and I've done it so long that I can remember sort of the hook for each play and it's just ad-libbing to the hook uh almost like a song or a rap or whatever you want to imagine it to be it really is just that um I the ideas come from whatever throughout the course of my day. Um, the, the day that that reporter was here, I had heard a song by Jack Johnson called Constellations. And I just liked that word. I kept thinking of that word. Uh, and I said something about shot detonations in the constellations or something like that. And it just hit me in the moment. So it's a lot of, you know, either um, practice for sure. I've done it for years and years and years. So. There's that. 
And then there's, um, I think my brains were just wired weird, honestly. Like there was a writer for the Kenyan Literary Review who said they think I suffer from something called clanging, which is in my head, everything can rhyme. If it, you know, if, it, if I so desire, I can structure it in my mind. And it's, it's not an ability, it's considered a disability and almost like a tick, like a mental tick. But I do think that there's something like that where while I'm hearing a sentence, I know I can end it in a rhyme some other way. Um, and for any other job that I could have landed on in life, it would have been absolutely without value. For this one silly job, it works out wonderfully. Uh, and people around the world seem to love it. And honestly, this top 10 is such a thrill for me and such an honor. You know, I, I'm, I do uh, top 10s for the Australian League. They've hired me for the last seven or eight years. Um, teams around the world hire me. There's a wrestling organization that's hired me. There's oh, um, God knows what else. I mean, there's a gaming company right now that's talking to me about doing stuff for them. Um, I, I used to have my voice on EA. I don't know what's going on with that now, but you know, all that stuff is all because the NBA demands my voice be out there or somebody's voice be out there. And it's mainly mine now. So I'm just so thankful for that. And I feel so lucky for that because it's given me an opportunity to live a life. I didn't think I could live, you know, I, for years I was the studio host and I would have to go in and put on the makeup and do the dance and everything like that. Now I don't have to do that. I can work remotely and it, it just enhances my quality of life in a way that I never dreamed I would get. So I'm, I'm very, very, very lucky in that way. Bo, I, th I think there's an obvious answer to my question, but, um, but I want to hear your take on it. Why do you think that across the board, we love top 10 highlights so much? I mean, you mentioned like <laughs> several like different this. mediums there, right? <laughs> I'm sorry. Yeah, go ahead. No, uh, no, I think you're right, though. Like, look, SportsCenter does well with their top 10. Um, I think, you know, these lists that come out, people love lists and rankings and, you know, who's the second greatest NBA player of all time behind Jordan. People love that sort of thing. And I'm just kidding. Uh, but, like, yeah, I think people, I think people love that sort of thing. Uh, but I think, you know, maybe I've really... I, you know, sometimes people say it's the way I say top 10 at the end, but there's something about it that's like an earworm almost, like a song that you're used to hearing, that you enjoy hearing, uh, that is a little bit different each time, but it's familiar enough. So I think I've hit on something like that. Uh, and I think that people like to debate, right? People love to debate. And you look at any top 10 list uh, we put out there, look at the comments. Uh, the producer was stupid. Six should have been seven and seven should be five. So they should be fired. You know, it's like that sort of crazy commentary out there. I don't know what to do with that. But yeah, that's where they are on that stuff. So I think people just love to debate and argue these lists and everything. And luckily, I sort of come in above the fray as just the delivery guy for these things. I don't rank a thing. I have nothing to do with the rankings. I get the list, look at the plays come up with something crazy to say, say, it. that's it. Um, but people really engage with it. I mean, does that make sense to you guys? Do you think, do you think people like that debate? I think 100%. so. How about you, Matt? hundred percent. Yeah. Oh yeah. Yeah. And I think with that, I think especially when we were growing up, you would have just a big slate of just 
different sports that would happen, you would wonder which which highlight would be, you know, number one. I think now everything's yeah. just so quick and it's just so instantaneous. I, at least in terms of the general casual sports populace, I don't know if that's such a huge argument anymore. I think even this past weekend, I mean, you had a UFC going on, you had NBA All-Star Weekend, you had a bunch of college sports going on. And, you know, I was very curious to see what's going to be the top 10 highlight. But I think for kind of younger fans out there, they didn't even know about the sports in our top 10. They just get all the highlights on TikTok and social media. So I, I very much think it's, it's a somewhat a lost art in terms of kind of your casual sports viewer, unfortunately. Yeah, I mean, I think that the TikTok angle is something I'm completely unfamiliar with. Uh, I'm on Twitter uh, pretty regularly because that just seemed like a good place for basketball conversation. And, you know, whatever happens with that is whatever happens with that. But um, I don't know. I mean, if, if TikTok's a great place for basketball conversation, then I hope our highlights are out there. And I hope other people are creating content that goes out there. One of the things that I think about in terms of the future for jobs is you owning your own content not needing a job, not not needing somebody to hire you. You're your own gatekeeper. Um, I've had students who are, you know, now local broadcasters and, you know, they're going through that process. And then I've got students who are out there just creating their own content and they're doing just as well. So I just think that's a that's a part of the new market. And so if you're in that new market where you, it's not even new anymore, but if you're in that market where you're your own content creator, hitting on something like this top 10 that really resonates with people that you can deliver over and over and over again, uh, I think, boy, you can really do well. You could really do well. If you could just figure out what it was that people wanted to hear daily or weekly, uh, you, you'd be doing well. have to ask Bo with, with us kind of bringing social media into the mix with what Justin uh, was mentioning there with TikTok. How have you seen the coverage change since that really became, you know, Twitter sort of blew up maybe in the early 2010s? I, I know it came out before yeah. that. Um, sure. how, how have you noticed, you know, the coverage and the conversation around sports and maybe specifically basketball, or you can take it broader if you like, uh, but what have you noticed with the impact of that? I think it's tougher for players, honestly. I think because people are so – there's no – I thought he played a pretty good game and could have done some of these things better and some of these things worse. It, it's it's very harsh or they're as good as Michael Jordan sort of thing. Like, you know, it's that <laughs> sort of level of like, holy cow, you know, there's got to be a middle ground. And I think if you're a player, these players aren't just shutting off social media. They're not, you know, quietly – going to go home and, and, you know, not pay attention to this. They see what people are saying about them and it affects them. And you can see that it impacts them. Kevin Durant's a great example about that. He gets mad when people say negative things about him like a normal human might. So I think that it's, it's hard for the players. I mean, I think there's money to be made in it. Surely you can advertise, you can have a big brand, you can have a big following. You can do all those sorts of things that are positive. You can shed light on uh, issues that you care about. That's also a positive. But I think that the personal toll, um, if, if I was 21 or 22, what people say about me would bother me a lot more if it was negative. I'm, again, I'm very lucky with how people treat me online. I'm, I'm it's bizarre how lucky I am. Um, but if they got really negative, um, at this age, I, I don't care. 
like it's just a digital thing that says a thing. I don't care. But when you're young, it's meaningful to you. And I, I worry about those players and how angry they can get uh, and how much of an issue it can become. So I think it's fair for them to be upset. I really do. I just think that, you know, I would love to think that each team has a good staff in place to help these younger players handle this, the mental side of the game and the mental challenges that can be there. And, you know, like one of the things that I thought I could always do is sort of be a communications professional for, for players. I wouldn't want to do it for a team, but for players uh, and how to respond to stuff like that. And I think it's just, but I think it's a tremendous challenge because I think that there's a mental health side of it too, that, that people just, when they're banging out something negative about a player, they don't think how that's going to affect that player. They're just thinking, I'm going to say something that's going to get some attention and I'm going to get a bigger profile. That's it. 100% agree. Uh, on the other side of that, too, um, do you feel like there is a change in media coverage or response in that you have now this this like feed, this list of all these opinions? I mean, is there a danger in there and, you know, just going yeah. with the mass appeal of, of what's being said on there, whether the truth is considered or not. I'll tell you, I'll take you to the extreme other side of the story. I used to, like you mentioned, work for inside the NBA and I, I would go out to Doug Collins house out uh, in Arizona and Doug Collins, we would prefer research for him. He didn't want any of it. He didn't want a thing. He had notes and notes and a yellow notebook of exactly what he was interested in. And I asked him why, he said, I don't want to be influenced by what anyone else is saying. I mm. want to come up with this all on my own. Now, that's not necessarily the perfect way, but it is a way because, you know, you can learn from other people. And we can all grow in this thing. But I think that's interesting because I, I, I have a hard time believing that that can happen much now. Um, now, I, I, I felt like even last year's MVP debate, for instance, mm. I thought that there was a media rush to take take away Nikola Jokic's chances because I think they thought I think there was a media sense of like we're going to be the guardians of history here three straight is a huge marker it's a marker I don't think MJ got it I don't think you know it's been a long time since anybody's had it so it, we don't think Nikola Jokic should be that player that should get three straight which is different from the job which is I need to see who was the best player this regular season and who was the most valuable player this regular season. That's the job. And I think that narrative grew on social media and grew and grew and grew and grew. And I think that that impacted the, you know, the voting. I, to me, Joel Embiid had a perfectly fine MVP season. It was a great MVP season. And I, I wouldn't take anything away from him. So did Nikola Jokic. Nikola Jokic had an incredible season. So you have to vote for who you really think. And you have to dig in and work. And I worry that social media, you know, impacted that. The other side of social media is, you know, if you're in the, if you're in the, you know, press room after the game and you're looking at the comments and you're, you're getting influenced by what people are saying and what people are questioning rather than doing the actual hard reporting in the room, I worry how that impacts stuff. Um, there's pros and cons, but I do I do see some hazards there. Bo, I want to shift um, bef before we let you go. I can't um, let you leave out of here without talking about All-Star Weekend, um, All-Star Saturday, yep. and then the game itself. 
what were your overall mm-hmm. thoughts, especially after the game? A lot of negative comments, this, as we talked about just a second ago, social media and on just national television. Um, are you on the side of totally just scrapping the All-Star game, or do you think there's just a more of an easier solution of just solving kind of what we saw yesterday <laughs> of 200 points yeah. for it by the East? It was rough, man. I'm not going to lie to you. I work, I work, you know, covering the league and everything like that. And it's not what anybody wanted to see. And I think, you know, you don't need to hear me saying this. You saw how Adam Silver delivered the trophy after the game to Giannis's team. He was, the man was clearly disappointed. Everybody tried to push these players into caring more. And the bottom line is if they don't care more, you can't force them to play harder. There's nothing you can do. You can't force them. So if they're not going to play harder, what do you do? I think, you know, look, I hope maybe this social media thing uh, can hit their pride a little bit and they'll care a little bit more. Today, I just went back uh, and looked at a couple minutes of the 1988 All-Star game. I just randomly picked a year in my head and I did I did one of the scrolls. And I'll stop here. I'm going to watch two minutes. And it's a basketball game. It looks like a basketball game. It feels like a basketball game. They're blocked shots. There are fouls. Everything's happening. No buckets are free. Nothing's easy. They're steals. Uh, and this is in two minutes of action. Uh, it's not that anymore. It's just he's taking a couple steps towards the basket, get out of the way, let him do a fancy dunk. Um, where the rubber meets the road is if fans in the next couple of years are like, it's not worth paying that money to go to the All-Star game because it's a ripoff. They don't try. And then if that impacts the NBA's bottom line, then the salary cap comes down and then folks' salaries start coming down. And, and, you know, we all know that this media deal is going to be a good one. The next one, that's why, you know, Mark Cuban talked about that's why he is selling the Mavericks and sold the Mavericks is because he saw the writing on the wall. I think when the players start to realize that maybe they perform better, but maybe they just don't. Um, As far as All-Star Saturday night goes, I love Sabrina and Steph. I always enjoy the three-point contest. Um, the dunk contest, Mac McClung did a great job, man. He did. Like, I, I can't fault, you know, that he's the winner. He was the best dunker out there. Um, the judging, call me. I do this every night. Right. I mean, this, is my, this is my job in life. <laughs> call me. I can do a better job than those folks. But, um, like, you know. The judging was a little shaky, and by a little shaky, I mean a lot shaky in the dunk contest. (laughs) It should have been Toppin, and it should have been McClung, and that should have been it. Um, But, you know, we're not that far away from Aaron Gordon and Zach Levine, which is as good a dunk contest as I've ever seen. And I just rhymed that. I'm sorry. Um, But, yeah, (laughs) uh, that, uh, you know, that was fantastic. And I would love to see that come back. And those are two guys like Zach Levine's borderline all-star some years. Aaron Gordon can be borderline all-star. Those are two very good players. They're not scrubs, uh, important players in the league. So I think, you know, something like that could happen again. It it just goes in cycles to me. Um, I love the three-point contest. I mean, I absolutely love it. I'd love to see it expanded to 60 players and do it really fast and get through it and to see how many players can shoot just something to make it more fun. Um, and all-star Sunday, you know, I, I sort of jokingly posted, put it in, put it in Eastern Europe, like in partisans home stadium, you won't, you won't get a half effort there. I mean, those fans right. would not accept it. I mean, they, I mean, I just think there needs to be a motivation. 
Um, and maybe it's a player that's super competitive. I thought it might be Anthony Edwards that just couldn't stand to see the level down like this. Jokic didn't seem to care. He seemed to be like, whatever, if this is what they want to do, this is what we'll do. Um, Giannis doesn't seem to care much. LeBron has gone through the eras. He played when it was a little tougher. Uh, and, you know, you could argue that he's the one that could set the standard. And, you know, people are just sort of sloughing off. It's, it's guys, I'll just be honest. It's a problem. It's a real issue. And I hope we get it solved. I hope there's somebody who's really thinking hard about this. But right now, I, I don't I don't see a good ending out there unless the players take it upon themselves to have some pride and play hard. Do you think an all-star weekend can still be, you know, a, a success if it goes sort of the way of the Pro Bowl where we still have the players there to honor them for making an all-star team, but there's no, you know, formal all-star game played? I mean... To me, one of the aspects of All-Star Game is that it's a cultural and corporate event. Um, mm -hmm. A lot of people want it. It's sort of a C and B scene thing. Thank God I don't have to go anymore. But it's sort of a C and B scene thing where, you know, you're just like people love to go out and who's got new clothes, who's got new shoes. Uh, you know, there's, you know, musicians and celebrities there. So it's a whole it's a whole event. So I think it's important that it continues. And I think, um, I don't know, I think behind the scenes, the league will communicate in no uncertain terms to the players that it's not just us that are hurt by a diminished all-star game. It's you, the players, that really take a beating for this. Uh, and if you don't get it together, and the other thing is like, why would you want to let somebody else beat you? I mean, would Kobe have done that? Kobe would never have done that. No never in a million years. So where's the pride? Where's the pride? Where's, you know, forget Kobe. Michael Jordan would have lost his mind. <laughs> uh, so, you know, like you can, you can take it back to people who are just much more competitive. And maybe, you know, I, I don't know. Maybe there's a, a larger, you know, issue here. But I, the one thing I hate seeing is people say it's generational. You know, like this is a generation that doesn't care. I really worry about saying something like that because these players have worked hard to develop these skills. So they cared at some point. And I think they can care again. I just think it's important that they learn to care in this instance. I think it's really important uh, to, to honor the tradition that those players that made this success they have very, very possible. I agree. And it's particularly troubling because you see a lot of these players play in um, different summer leagues, pro-am, the Drew League, yeah. and they play hard. They play hard. Yeah, yeah. I, I don't, and it, it like you're saying, the All-Star game, it's a, it's honoring history. I mean, a big part of this weekend was honoring Indiana basketball history, and just to see them just not take it seriously, like you're saying, but it, it's, I think it's troubling. I think it's a deep concern. Uh, have you guys been to any AAU event in the summer where there's players are playing eight games in a day and it seems dangerous, right? It seems like how yeah. many, how many games can you really play? I, um, I covered those for a while and I did like play by play on some of those. Those were much more competitive, you know, juniors in high school in their eighth game of the day, much more competitive than this. I don't know if there's a, is there an injury fear? Like and how much it's going to cost me if I get injured? Cause the money is so great these days. So maybe there's a risk there that they don't want to take. I don't know, but man, uh, it's bad. It's bad. And it's got to get better because I care about the league. I care about the players. I care about the history. 
and I care about this not going wrong. And I'm I'm the guy who's out there uh, calling all these highlights. And you know, I'm telling you, it's been better. It's been a lot better in the past. And it's not just you know like 80s or 90s or any. It was better recently when Kobe was doing it. It was better 10 years ago. So I don't know who took their foot off the gas. I mean, you know, it would be interesting. I didn't even think about this because you never think about this stuff. But I wonder what the 2019 All-Star game was like before the pandemic. I wonder. I mean, I don't want to put too much weight on that, but I'm just curious. I'm curious because all the things that you don't think about, I'm just curious. I I would want to go back and take a look. Like, where do we see it? What year was it? Did it go from, hey, that's pretty good basketball to, oh, no, this is this is bad. This is really bad. I don't know when that is. Now, that's interesting because that's kind of when we were still like connected. There was a closer thread between the media and the players, too, before yeah, a lot of that yeah. forced separation happened as well. That That's a really interesting theory. I mean, yeah, if somebody goes back and figures out which year did we fall off, which year was it notable? Was it gradual? Maybe it was gradual. Or maybe it was one year where the, the guys just said, eh, whatever. And then it just became that uh, for year after year after year after year. I'd be interested, like, Victor Wembanyama seems like a different dude uh, and cares about stuff like that. I wonder, he's going to be, if he stays healthy, he's going to be the face of the league at some point soon. So I, 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 wonder, I wonder how he carries that flag into an all-star game and what tone he sets. That would be interesting to see. Bo, this has been a fantastic chat. Please let our audience know where they can find you on social media, um, any other projects you're working on. Let's let our audience know. Yeah, so I'm at NBA, B-E-A-U, NBA Bo on Twitter or whatever the heck it's called now. Um, And uh, yeah, I obviously work for the NBA, uh, doing the highlights every night. I work for the NBL. uh, That's the Australian Basketball League. I'm doing top tens for different events around the country. And then... um, I may have some really exciting news coming out. One about uh, a professorship I may take and two uh, about a gaming company that wants me to announce for them. So if you're locked into that social channel, you'll hear about it first there. Awesome, Bo. Thank you very much for spending some time with us. Guys, thank you so much for the conversation. I love it. And it was good to have an all-star debrief after what we saw yesterday. No, completely agreed. Thank you, Bo. (laughs) Thank you. Thank you for listening to Hoopsology, presented by Boss Life. If you have comments or questions about this episode, please email hoopsologypod at gmail.com. Also, leave us a review on iTunes and follow us on all social media platforms.